0: Hi, you're listening to Happy Hour with Stretch and Stir Fry. You can find us on SailWorld.com, YachtsAndYachting.com and iTunes. This week on The Pod, we're off to the South Island of New Zealand, Wanaka to be precise. We meet one of New Zealand's finest. He's an America's Cup tactician, a four-time Olympian, Star World Champion, and he's the proprietor of Rad Car Hire, Queenstown Welcome Pepsi Amish pepper.
1: Where's your, where's your dressing gown?
0: On the back of the oh, bedroom.
1: Getting... On the back of the bedroom door.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can't believe you get dressed up for Hamish and not for me.
0: Yeah. Well, well you, you need to learn where you sit in society, Stretch. <laughs> I,
1: I never actually graduated from Nipper, which has always sort of slightly pissed me off, actually.
0: <clears throat> but any more language like that, you won't be progressing at all, matey. God, I, I was bloody paranoid then. I did the uh, restart and then I had the Rainbow of Doom spinning. Oh,
1: no.
0: oh. <laughs> oh, Well, I think this will be the first pod we've done where we're not taking alcohol. I've yeah, got, that is true, actually. Yeah. I've, I've only got, a... I've got one for you. Oh, good <laughs> oh there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be able to see the screen. Hamish, how are you today? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yep, surviving. How's your body?
2: Uh, a little broken, to be honest. I uh, Yeah, I went um, went to Queenstown and went up the gondola, downhill biking with some mates who were um, uh, quite a bit better than me and took me down some scary runs. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my skill was more, my ability uh, was definitely lacking. So, Any yeah. tumbles? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my uh, leg's quite sore.
0: <laughs> oh, really? And do you wear like yeah. body armor and Well,
2: I didn't have any of that stuff. They had all that, you know. So they <laughs> took me so they took me up these runs and like, Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. You just gotta bomb it, you know, bomb it, you know? And I'm like, Oh yeah, and I get to them and I'm like, oh, Ah no, I'm not bombing. I'm not I'm a pretty much amateur at that sort of stuff and so yeah. So I took a couple of tumbles,
0: you know, so oh. sore elbow, sore leg, you know. <laughs> That's all right and And for the listeners you 're a bit of a I, I call you an adventurer. you do the coast to coast race in New Zealand, and that is yeah. canoeing, cycling, and running yes yeah yeah so i 've only done it once
2: and it 's been a goal of mine on the bucket list for a while, so I um, decided to take it on uh, this year as in February and starts off on the west coast of the South Island and goes across to the east coast, uh, so grey mouth to kind of Christchurch and and basically it starts with a two point two kilometer run to your bike um, followed by a 60 a, a k ride to a thirty three k mountain pass run to a 15 k bike to a 70 k paddle to a 70 k bike to the finish so yeah so it took um, I was quite pleased i was I was happy just to finish it for one and then but I was happy to you know Came in in about 13, 13 hours 25 or something, so. Awesome. Yeah, big day. Are you
0: back this year for
2: more? I've entered again, yep. Uh, decided to have another crack at it. It's I a was... big bucket you've got then. Your bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, there's not much in the bucket.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, now Steph, right, you've started doing so much running yourself, maybe when everything relaxes, um, or maybe when you're the leading pundit for the America's Cup in New Zealand. Um, Hamish could take you on a coast to coast.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll do a couple of runs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, um, myself and Mo, if lockdown hadn't occurred, we were going to uh, can- um, not canoe, sorry, paddleboard the Caledonian Canal this year in April. How far uh, was we were- that? Seventy-eight miles. Yeah. So we were doing it slightly differently. We were going to go twenty-five miles a day, roughly twenty-five yeah. miles a day, and then stay at a pub, have a few beers in the evening, and then continue. Initially, Mo's idea was to camp, and I said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Breakback Mountain, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> 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 two, two
1: very big men trying to work out how to open a can of beans. <laughs> is that a euphemism?
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it didn't happen because of the world at the moment. Uh, yeah. Never mind.
1: So, I Fry, um, Hamish is telling us, telling me, that whilst you're sorting out your computer issues, that, uh, that New Zealanders... Kind of closer and closer to the norm now. I mean, obviously, with a bit of social distancing. Yeah, we've just got we've
2: got one active case uh, left, and um, yeah, we haven't had a we haven't had any cases for fifteen days now. So um, new cases. So we'll uh, hopefully this active case will um, recover, and and in the next few days, I suspect, and and then we'll be COVID free. Wow. But you know, yeah we we're, we're but we're very lucky. We're a very isolated country which isn't the most popular and um, tourists go, you know, like not like Gatwick or Heathrow where you've got yeah, millions not, of people you're not a hub. Day. Yeah. So we so we've been we've been uh, we've been lucky in that regard. And and she she looked at what other countries were doing and then took their lead and, and closed the borders and and you know, if we if she closed the borders sooner, she would have we would have been better off again. Yeah. So you know, hindsight's a it's a very tricky thing, you know. You know, because I have a couple of businesses, and you know, we certainly saw the effect from the lockdown and and all of that, and there was a lot of and it's still ongoing, you know, as the world is, and and it's tough times, but it's. Um,
0: Well, you you give your businesses a plug because anyone coming down to New Zealand uh, to watch the cup, they are going to need to rent a car. And what's the company called, Pepsi?
2: (laughs) Rad Car Hire in Queenstown.
0: Yeah, Rad Car Hire in Queenstown.
2: Yeah, that's our company. But but there's uh, about 23 branches uh, nationwide from Rad. So, um, you know, if they come flying to Auckland, there's a Rad Car Hire there and, and, you know, we... You know, we don't claim to be a Hertz or an Avis, we but we claim to give a a quality car to um, to to get you A to B and all of that. So, mm.
1: so when did you sure. get into when did you get into that business? <laughs> oh, probably we've had it for
2: five years now. Um, yeah, we just just with sailing and us be, be living on this side of the world. You know, we I just found sailing professionally is very loose. You know, you could be um, you could be the top man one day and then you'll be out the back door the next. and so and with no contracts in the sailing game, and uh, typically then you you know you could lose lose a whole season quite easily through it could be your fault or maybe the boat's not performing as well as it could be uh, for various reasons or whatever, and you, it just felt very temperamental, and so <clears throat> I felt I wanted um, to have another interest. And and also a life outside of sailing to to focus on and and uh, have another income basically and so um, to support the family and and stuff. So I was looking for businesses and this came up. Oh, wise
0: well, um, decision, yeah, very <laughs> yeah. wise decision. Look at, the, look, look at the last six months.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, the, you know, it's very it's very unfortunate. And you know, luckily for for New Zealand, we got our domestic tourism is starting to happen and. And today we had a massive dumping of snow on the hills. And and so the ski season's looking more and more uh, prospect for a a good season. So, you know, hopefully that goes well. So the business goes well there. Cool.
1: You spoke just about the fact that sometimes you can be the main man or sometimes that at the back door, that that could be your choice of position in the world of yachting <laughs> as a tactician. <laughs> so I, I slightly blame you for taking on such a stressful role, um, yeah. but you've been absolutely at the top of the game for, you know, well over two decades, which is a which is a hell of an achievement. Thank you. But, uh, I'd I'd love to perhaps just uh, give give our listeners a, a bit more of an insight to your world and 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 take them back to perhaps to childhood. I mean, I, I was reading that you even grew up, you know, used to play golf with Ray Davies when you were kids. I mean, he's oh. in the very small place and also what's it like to play golf against the world's most competitive man? <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is,
2: Ray um, actually was probably my, one of my earliest friends. So we, his parents and his brothers were uh, sailing at Murrays Bay Boating Club and my father and, and my brother were sailing there too and so we as like four or five year olds were down there with with the family on Sundays and so we quickly we quickly became friends and and then then it was kind of our turn to jump in the boats and the dinghies together and we um very much you know we fought against each other for the for our whole uh, junior career basically yeah we took slightly different paths you know with Ray going Volvo and and offshore stuff and I was kind of Went back and I went to the America's Cup earlier and,
0: and that sort of stuff. And so it, yeah, so we've been friends for a long time. So now you mentioned the America's Cup there, Pepsi, because I always feel that was a bit of a poison chalice for you. Um, <laughs> in 2000, well, after two you, you were involved in 2000, is that right? Yes, yeah. So Which, 2000 and 2003 with we Team New Zealand, yeah. So
2: 2000
0: was probably. Wonderful, you know, riding along the coattails of a a hugely successful team that then had the heart ripped out of it, and then you got the poison chalice handed to you in two (laughs) thousand and three.
2: Yeah, it was it was a tough challenge, you know. We, you know, we, and there was a lot going on with obviously Russell and Brad, and the majority of his top men uh, went to Olingi, and so it kind of opened up the door for possibilities for Dean. Barker and myself to um to step up and also others that we saw with James Dagg and you know, there's a bunch of us that we were quite tight together and and so yeah, it opened the door up. But we just um I I think that challenge from previous challenges where Russell and Brad were so dominant and they were head and shoulders above everyone else, you know, with Peter Blake and and stuff, and then coming down to Dean and I we were still pretty young at that point and so we were kind of overridden quite a bit and uh became a very much a design led team my feeling was and um and so yeah we didn't quite get the boat that we uh we hoped for yeah some certainly some catastrophic <laughs> failures <laughs> in that
1: campaign
0: you're very and, diplomatic
1: uh, yeah yeah I mean, and I'm- uh we don't want to dwell on on no what was perhaps probably not the most fun part of your career because you've had so many incredible successes. I mean, we probably do have to chat about it because you know yeah. that that February two thousand and three was such massive news. I think you guys. I'll just take a are, drink. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 have a big slug, Pepsi. Yeah. I'll get the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> This is what happens when Stir Fry is sober <laughs> in these different time zones and you suddenly remember all these things. Yeah, exactly. um, but, you know, Feb Feb 2003 and you did have an awesome sailing team there actually, a young but really cool bunch yeah. of guys, to, you know, to watch and, and certainly as, as an outsider looking in, you know, we were really definitely expecting pretty extraordinary things but, you know, I think race one of that America's Cup match and it was such an extraordinary thing to watch on TV. The guy's bailing.
2: Mm. Um,
1: yeah. Do you remember I'm, where you were when that happened, uh, Stretch? Um, well, I was, I was, I was actually... Um, I think I might have been in a, quite a sort of dodgy bar in Singapore at the time, actually. <laughs> oh, OK. <right. laughs> well, move on. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: we we yeah. just got back I wanna from...
1: I places were you.
0: <laughs> we just yeah. got back from Auckland and gone skiing and I was watching it... Um, in yeah. the kind of accommodation, and I was like, "Oh my god, it was just—it was—it was hard yards
1: because you know your boom broke, the Genoa went—that was all in race one, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was- yeah, For our listeners, could could you tell us about the hula? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so so basically the hula, because
2: uh, with the America's Cup they had this rule where waterline length and um and it's all about. Um, and, and um, those type of America's Cup boats you saw those funny bows with the chin on them and it was all about trying to cheat the waterline and make the boat feel like it's longer so it would go faster and so um, the design team we, and we had a really good design team they were very smart but they designed, they came up with this idea that you could attach <coughs> appendage to the hull I think it's 250 mils either side of center line, Um and so there's a 500 mil joining piece of this kind of shape, uh, underwater shape of a hull, attached just on the centre line. And the rules were that it wasn't allowed to touch the hull outside of that point. And so we were fairly confident that it wasn't touching the hull, you know, and we had it very fine down to, like, millimetres away. But um, lingi and um, some very smart, men that used to be Team New Zealand uh, uh, put a lot of doubt into the measurers' minds, and so that gap opened and opened and opened, and eventually, it just became drag, uh, drag. <laughs> yeah. And it so, was... so yeah, so our performance was less, but this all happened within a couple of, um, basically, a month of the Americas Cup, so we had no other options, and we built ourselves into a corner where we built two identical boats and so we couldn't even race a more practical boat, more like a Lingi or or anything else and so we, um, um, but in saying that, I don't think you know, that that didn't hurt us as much <laughs> in the racing as uh, you know, we we put on, uh, and these, these are lessons that you learn, like you we built a new boom that we'd only been sailing with for about three weeks and hadn't hadn't really been given enough testing and it ended up failing at the end. And we, on the day one of the race, race one, our backup boat basically started cracking and breaking and poo. And so then going into that race, they were saying, Oh, don't, don't wind the runner up as much, you know? And so we couldn't go to Mac runner and, uh, and, and it was about twenty five to twenty seven knots from memory. it was blowing, and we thought we would have an edge in the breeze, you see, and so we were quite keen for to to race and and uh yeah, it all came uh, crumbling down around us <laughs> and just uh yeah, so it was a bit disappointing
0: yeah, but from those hardships I mean from the outside, you know they were tough times for tough times for team tough um but you probably look back at that now. And I think that was a major contributory factor to you winning the Star Worlds. What you learned in the Cup, you know, your your technical appreciation, and then basically being able to execute on the race course. Was it two thousand and six you won the Star Worlds? Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, after after that America's Cup, you know, I got taken off the boat after race three, I think, and then uh, you know, after that Cup, I. You know, I went away and just chilled out, and you know, I could have easily given up the sport, and I, and it did cross my mind for sure because, you know, I was through the press, I was kind of the scapegoat of the team, you know, but we didn't it didn't really look inside to, you know, I was just an easy target at that point, and um, and so I, I left the country. I went skiing up at Whistler for a month, and um, kind of just got back to normal and met new people and knew nothing about sailing. didn't know me and, and had some fun. And and then I was like, yeah, well, you know what? I still want to, I still love it. I'm going to try and go back to the Olympics, you know? And, and uh, so, you know, so I jumped back in the laser later that, that year and, and um, did spar a gather and, you know, I managed to win a race there and stuff and gave the selectors enough opportunity for me to try and, uh, go to the worlds and and so yeah and in, in the end I ended up qualifying the country and going back to the games again you know and that really is kind of those dark times that really cemented the the passion for the sport again for me and and that I do love it and I do love competing and you know some days some days you're a rock star and some days some days you're uh, you're, you're scrubbing the dunny, you know, and so it's it's unfortunate, but that's sport and and you know if people could and say especially sailing because sailing's not the hundred meters it's not like you turn up the start line, you know you can do nine point seven seconds for a hundred meters and you if you execute well you'll do nine point seven if you do a bad job, you do nine point eight you know and so but sailing sailing's so much different there's so many variables that go into it your um your preparation your mental state for one your preparation um the equipment the um knowledge you have going into the race the weather forecast the geographical conditions and all of that and, and all those factors of a sailing race really excited me and so yeah I got I quickly realized that I I loved the sport and And it wasn't just about one or two races in the America's Cup, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: you mentioned the the laser. Um, I -hmm. mean, you obviously do love the sport because you've managed to stick around to do four Olympics, which is an incredibly, I mean, an incredible achievement. And Stefan and I have been chatting to a few of our younger Olympians who are obviously having this really weird time at the moment where the Olympics has been postponed. And so just, you know, three months, two months before, they're meant to be flying out to Tokyo for the biggest regatta of their lives and one of our British guys um, has been trying to qualify for, for nigh on 15 years yeah, right. finally qualified and you know and we wish John the best um, um, in 2021. So I mean to, to your Olympic campaigns, four Olympics is such an achievement but even more so I sort of feel coming out of New Zealand where you know what is it what is the stat every other person has a boat in their in their backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how did you enjoy your Olympic adventures? I suppose. <laughs> well, it's funny. You, you learn a lot from all of your every every campaign.
2: You learn something, you know, because everything's everything's different. Everything um a lot of things. Some things are in, in your control, and some things aren't. And so, it's a it's it's a tough thing to deal with a lot of those things, you know. And New Zealand Olympics has gone from '96 through to. 2012, the one, my last one, had gone through a big change and um, where there was no money to actually having quite a bit of money for New Zealanders. It was, and how that all got dealt with and stuff like that. And and so we, so I've gone through an era where probably like you guys, you're self-coached, you got in a boat, you went out, if you capsized, you got back to the shore and goes, well, I didn't have enough bang off or something the boom at the water and I capsized. So you change it, you know, you don't go, you don't turn around to the coach and go, what, what happened? Um, as a lot um, of sailing is these days. And so, and I manage my own campaigns, you know, Dean, Dean and I, we've been best mates, you know, since we were 11 and 12 as well. And so we, we um, early on, we used to come to Europe and with the a laser in 90, uh, 91. And um, we had a yellow combi van and we'd, travel around europe and together and train and sail and and um get up to all sorts of skullduggery and uh and have some fun you know and 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 we learned a lot from those campaigns but we very quickly learned how to manage our money what money we had and do the best we could for for that and in those campaigns and so it then new zealand's gone from nothing to a lot and uh then all, all of a sudden you've got other people in the background telling you what you should be doing, and and so it was kind of quite a tricky, tricky period to transition through for us. All, we always needed more money, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it was. It was I, I wonder whether um those sort of h- having to slightly do it yourself a bit more in the New Zealand style might might help Kiwi sailors become almost better big boat professionals and, and Stir Fry love your thoughts on this because our, our um, Olympic sailors are highly coached very well backed thanks to our lottery system and you know the system is fantastic for them but it is really is a bubble. You sort of see so many of the Kiwi guys then go on to become you know, very successful pros out, out of having done Olympic sailing you, you know so many of your America's Cup guys were Olympians and then mm. Perhaps a lot of our dinghy sailors haven't, haven't kicked on so much. I mean, Steph, I might be wrong there, but you know, when you see the proliferation of Kiwi pros that nearly all of them did some sort of Olympics or a lot of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, it goes back to what um, yeah. Ian was saying months ago that uh, to, to be at the top of the sport, you need a well-rounded game. Now the top of the sport Uh, for a short period for those sailors is the Olympics. And then the top of the sport for other sailors is the America's cup. And then the top of the sport for offshore guys is the Volvo. So somehow you have to transcend those boundaries. And many, many Kiwis have been smart enough, talented enough to do potentially all three. And you're right. You walk around the the dock or the dinghy park and there's, there's always a proliferation, good word stretch, make sure you keep that in um, of Kiwis. (laughs) Um, at the top events. I I think it's cultural as well, though. When you're growing up in New Zealand, I would would think it's still the same as it was for us in the 70s and 80s. You probably sail on a Monday night at one club, a Tuesday night at another club. You go and do another sport on a Wednesday. Thursday night, you're back on the water. Friday night, you might, you know, stamp on the lid and send it. And then Saturday and Sunday, you're back sailing again. And it's kind of, you you build a a skill set, which is very, very rounded. And I think, I mean, the, the the New Zealand Yacht Squadron with their match racing program has turned out some incredible individuals over a long period of time, just where it's, it's taken people, taught them how to sail keelboats, taught them how to match race, taught them how to function in a team, given them technical appreciation, you know, that, that many people around the world now earning a living or, or being super successful in the sport have been through that program. Mm.
2: Yeah, and uh, uh, I think New Zealand's been lucky that we're we're such a small country, really, and our centres are are small enough that you can our cities like Auckland are small enough that you can you could sail a dinghy at Murray's Bay one day, and then the the following day or that night you could go run racing at the Squadron on a keelboat, and um and then the next day you could be down at Co Marima um, doing another sort of of regatta, you know, and so we're, we're, we're small enough that you can get around and do a lot of different sailing events and, and also different sports as well, you know, so we, we, um, versatile, I'd say, in in terms of where we go and what we do
1: and, and how we do it. And talking yeah. of, talking of versatility, um, I'd love to know, you know, you did Olympics in a laser, the ultimate sort of one man beast, I suppose. And then, and then you took on, it's hugely competitive star, what format of sailing do you enjoy most? Do you like being on your own in a boat and making your own decisions? Um, or do you like be- being part of a team? Um, oh, I like being in control of
2: um, my destiny, basically. So what that means is it could be a laser where I know I've got my boat, hook it up to the car, I go, I train. If I do the do the work, I... Can hopefully have a good result at the other end, and um, and the outcome will be good. And in the in the Star Boat, it's um similar thing. That was it was kind of our campaign, and I was always doing it with mates, and um, that was a big thing. You know, I had Carl Williams, uh, Tiny, and I we both were brand new to the Star, and and we um, got this rough old Australian, Jolsey who'd won a bronze medal in the Star, and he was fantastic, and he. As rough as guts as he was but he taught us a lot about the star and we we moved forward but we had fun doing it and and uh, and it was our own program and then you you go into um, like the far 40s when we won the worlds in Aussie there we had a really good team there was no one person that controlled everything everyone had their say and their input into how we should run the team and so so those sorts of campaigns I've really, really enjoyed. And then you have like America's Cups. Dean and I kind of were, were apprentices to um, Russell and, and Brad and, and, you know, we really enjoyed their their processes and the way they ran campaigns. It was very much um, give the power to a person, the control, if he's doing the mast, let him control the mast and get the best out of the mast Bring the information back to them and say, "Yep, the mask is going to be stiffer, lighter, um, and more aerodynamic." And um, Russ will go, "Cool, well done." And and, but then he 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 was also had the finger on the pulse enough that he could, if something wasn't happening, he could step in and you know kind of rock things up enough to get things happening. But but it was a case of spreading the load, it wasn't one person that ran and was going to be, make a team successful, it was a bunch of people, you know, and and, and that's where the likes of the 52 Privetza, you know, for example you have Stir Fry doing the downwind sails and, and then he's got a, a big involvement in the team dynamics and and the personnel and, and, and doing manoeuvres as well in the boat and then, you know, the likes of myself and John and um, Nacho, we might be more involved in the tactics and the and the playbook and the and that sort of thing i don't need to get involved with the maneuvers you know and stir i can tell you is if he leaves me out of the maneuver the boat's going to be better off so
0: that's all (laughs) he's so so keen not to be in on the maneuvers he turned up and he was 91 kilos and we said oh he, he looks pretty strong we'll put him on the pumps no, 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 no! Now he's seventy-eight kilos. He's taken it super seriously, not to be involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
1: I think that's a, Got a
0: good step out of that, John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> From what I've heard, that's a good thing because when Vasco gets involved with anything with the manoeuvres, it's a total, total disaster.
0: Yeah, but but Pepsi <laughs> showed more commi- Pepsi showed a lot more commitment to not being involved. He ran from one side <laughs> of New Zealand to the other. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, going to the TP52s, guys, um, you know, we've touched on it in a few other chats, Hamish. Um, it's been an incredible success to have lasted this long, hasn't it, really?
2: Yeah, it has. But, um, you know, the, the boats have um, come a long way, too, since they, since they came out of the box, you know. So they've really, they've, they perform so well as a boat. And the racing is so competitive and strong and close and tight. Yeah, I just, you know, that's a, it's the best racing in the world for me right now. You know, and, and when you get, if you've got 8.52s or you've got 12.52s or probably for I can say when he had 24.52s back in the day, you know, it's still the same thing. You come into the top mark and if you're coming in on port and there's a, there's a stack of boats on starboard, you know, and, you know, it's scary stuff trying to bear away, dip the other boats and try and slot yourself in. That's it's that tight. It's it's the Formula One of um of sailing, you know, um outside the America's Cup of course and and it's uh yeah it's 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 fun. It's rewarding when you sail the boats well and you and you sail a good race, you know, and, and you come in when when we've won races, we come in and we're you know we're absolutely happy and Ergen's happy Everyone's happy and you know and it's and you know you've done a good job, you know, whether it be sailing fast or or good tactics or a good start or good maneuvers or a little bit of luck, you know, you you know you've earned it. And when you come last in a race, um and you've you've stuffed up, you you kind of feel it too and you you know, you want to do better every time and so you know, our debriefs are uh, (laughs)
0: but I think there's something it it, it, it goes back through the IOR 50s there's something magical about that size of boat the size of team that sail it you know whether it's between 12 and 14 people it's to me it's you know it's similar to a rugby team you have uh, specific areas of the pitch that you deal with or the boat the team has to be coordinated it's still a boat that you can kick around the course rather than the boat controlling you the sails are easy enough to move um and I don't think it's coincidence that you know everyone talks about whatever the TP replacement is, it will be between 48 and 55 feet exactly. You know,
2: you, you look at the 72s, they're just only a little bit bigger, basically, a, a scaled up 52 essentially. And they're you know just that much more harder to, harder to sail around the track. And they're and they're you know they're not as close, they're the racing's you know more spread out, and there's. Yeah, it's, it's
1: just doesn't, you know, it's not as exciting, really. doesn't quite scale, does it? No. no. So, Hamish, you've obviously um, done a bit of sailing with Steph right now. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to ask, I, a long time ago, I did a bit of sailing with Steph, right? But I, I, I can't remember most of it because I'd sort of had such a late <laughs> night the night before. But, um, this probably was
0: in, This was <laughs> in his um, marginal Singapore bar phase that you mentioned
1: <laughs> earlier. Yeah, it's the fifth floor of Orchard Towers, Singapore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, stir fries, you mentioned about the manoeuvres and everything, and, and we're always asking other people questions. I'd like to ask you a few questions about stir fry, actually, to sail with. I I, uh, I really enjoyed sailing big boats because of sailing with people like stir fry. It, it, they, make, they make it fun, and, and you learn a lot from them at the same time. So, I mean, uh, how important it is it to have guys like that, those people who make the team on those kind of 52s and bring them together? Well,
2: it's, it's massively important. It's... um you, there's nothing like sailing with your mates at the end of the day because you know your mate has got your back and you'll have his. And, um, you know, when, when your mate's actually a pretty good yachty as well, it's even better. <laughs> so uh, we're lucky to have steer. But it's, it's really important. You know, you, and it's the team uh, dynamics, really. If there's, if there's tension within the team, the team, you're not going to sail well at all you know so you've got to get that out you've got to rip the band-aid off sometimes and 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 let it out and get all the tension out before the team can team can get better you know and and that and that happens a lot you know with um within our team within every team because you you know we're thrown into these campaigns and we've only got you know a few days practice these um a lot of the time and so You're coming together after having not sailed together for three weeks or a month, and um, expected to do the perfect drop, the perfect hoist, perfect manoeuvres, and and it's not going to happen like that. It's it's you know everyone's got to get their timing right and and um, get back into their positions and get the feel for it again. And so sometimes when things go wrong, there's tension within you know and often it can come from the back of the boat because. You know, we obviously want everything to be perfect and but we don't live in a perfect world and COVID nineteen we can see that. And but we if you're sailing with your mates, then you know that in a in the next time he'll be that much better and you'll be a lot better off. So yeah, and it's it's just enjoyable. And if you've got a good chemistry within the team, everyone has fun and if you're and if you're having fun sailing, I believe if you're having fun, um, you're going to get the best results and best out of everyone. So, yeah.
0: Well, I think adding to your to points there, Pets, when you joined Prevetsa, you came into a, a team that was sort of relatively stayed, had been the same for a while, and it needed some fresh impetus, new blood, and it needed a someone who was prepared to be self-effacing, critical of himself, and you came in and did that, and it was like a breath of fresh air. And I think, you know, that's been borne out in the way that we sail the boat, the amount of fun we have, um, and results. I mean, yeah. I, I know, for one, I don't sail. I
2: I very seldom have a perfect race, you know, and so there's always... I'm very critical of myself. Um, maybe not in front of everyone, but, you know, I I will analyse... Every part of everything I do in a race and and go, well, should I have tacked before before quantum or or uh, or gone the other side of them sort of thing and and i guess that 's how I've been 've been brought up i self, i 've been self coached a lot and so i I very much look at every race and see how I can improve and try and improve and and do a better job you know so i yeah it 's when people are critical of my performance, then you know it's probably justified, and you know I've got pretty thick skin now, and uh, after 2003 and bulletproof, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, and so uh, yeah, you uh, know, and and you know you you've me personally, you've got to I I expect it, and and then um, when I See something wrong within the team, and I pipe up and say something. Then you know, equally, I think they've got to listen to what my comments are too, but rightly or wrongly. Them might not be right, but it's um, you know, everyone's got to be. Yeah, it's an open book.
1: Yeah. So life as a life as a as a Kiwi pro pro sailor. I mean, obviously
2: you love airports. Love
1: airports. Yeah, I'd say. Um... <laughs> I mean hi how, how In economy. Do you, Woo! Yeah. <laughs> At least you're not as big as stir fry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um how how do you guys um I mean you've obviously got a family and everything, uh uh how how do you do professional sailing from New Zealand? It, it was always blowing me away how you guys manage to travel around the world with a smile on your face when you've got such yeah. such miles to, to do it. Well, often we're coming out of winter, so it's either raining
2: in Auckland or uh, cold and windy southerly or now I'm in the South Islands, you know, it's leaving snow-capped mountains and stuff like that, but I'm not a huge skier. So you're going to warmer climates generally, so that's a good tick, you know. And But, you know, in, in all seriousness, yeah, it's just just something that we've kind of grown up doing, really. We've learnt uh, that, you know, we got to jump on a plane for 24, 36 hours and and we deal with jet lag at the other end and and then we potentially jump on a plane and come back after ten days. So yeah, a week to ten days. So we just um it's just what it is.
0: Yeah. It's kind of- I mean, it's amazing when you when you look at it like that, if you said you were doing um ten day stints in Europe and you did, I don't know, ten ten uh up and downs a year, um you're spending nearly a month in a plane or an airport. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: and and a month feeling incredibly tired and jet lagged. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. slightly stretched. No yeah, yeah. Um, so for the cool. tactician, for the Kiwi tacticians, <laughs> that's quite hard because if you do have a bad regatta, you've got an extremely long journey to think about it all the way. Back <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, but it's you know it's just it, it
2: is what it is you know. And but equally you know you guys in Europe, it's when I've been in Europe and I needed to fly you know, from Porto Gervo to Parma or something, it often takes me a day anyway to get there. As And, uh, you know, you spend... You, the connections aren't quite, yeah, you know, perfect. But, you know, we, we fly up. And it's a little bit harder for me now that I live in Wanaka and um, the bottom of the South Island. It's, you know, I've got to take an extra flight before I get an international flight. And so... It adds potentially six, seven, eight hours to the to all the day already. You know, so it's what we do.
0: One of the one of the crazy things I think we're going to see in Europe over the next six, nine months, perhaps, is I would say a lot of us will be driving to regattas. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think you know, for instance, for the TPS in Palma in September, there's every chance that Mo and I will jump in a car, do uh, fourteen hours to. 15 hours really? to Barcelona, jump on the ferry, yeah. Well, uh, is that because you don't think the flights will be there? or? Well, I think the, the, the flights will be difficult. You know, you've always got the risk of, of, of COVID. And yeah. I think if given, if you run a seafarer's logbook, uh, border crossings will be easier if you're driving. It will just be faster. And potentially, you won't have to quarantine when you get home. Yeah, so if, right. you, if you've been through an airport, you'll be viewed differently than if you've sat in your own car Been on the
1: channel tunnel. Yep. Ah. uh, The the brave new world is definitely going to be one one has to plan hard for, that's for sure, when we're traveling around the world from now on. Yeah. Guys, going, I'd like both your thoughts. America's Cup this time round, once again, a real shame there's not enough teams really, but there's some very, very good teams. Um, Hamish, obviously, most kiwis we talk to just look us in the eyes and tell us exactly how it 's going to be, but um, what are your thoughts on um, upcoming america's cup i mean i don't i
2: don 't know enough of um, what other teams have been doing and where they 're at and you know i 'm only getting snippets of it, and so it 's very very hard to judge it would have been It would have been awesome to see them race in uh, Italy this year. Um, just to see where the teams were and and how they performed and stuff like that, you know. Mm. Um, and like you say, there's four excellent teams. And, I, you know, I I don't know how it's going to play out because we we haven't seen... They're all very different boats and they're all... They haven't got their second boat in the water yet and they're all... It's going to be interesting. I think when the second boats come out, I think it'll be a lot more revealing as to the performances of the boats and and that sort of stuff, I think.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I think you're right. The second boat, within a a short period of the second boat's going afloat, we'll have a a better understanding of what the pecking order is. Yeah. I mean,
2: from what I've heard from others who have been watching, they think Team New Zealand had been doing a pretty good job um, sailing around the course quite a bit and doing all manoeuvres. I heard that uh america have been doing the same i haven't heard much out of about england at all but i imagine ben i think ben's just
0: got sailing again uh, that really yeah sailing again? yeah, they, yeah they, i think yeah they, they've been sailing this week in the in the first boat again
2: yeah i mean and i think their second boat will be interesting to see how their what their second boat looks like because it's it's um the first. Boat what are you saying? Ride. What
0: are you saying? What are you saying about the first boat Pepsi?
2: <laughs> it's um yeah different. It's it's coming out of a box, yeah, and uh, <laughs> they in box rule here, are they? Um, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I can <laughs> and I can totally understand the the thinking, the designers' thinking, because they just want to get the wings as far out as possible and and um yeah get that riding moment, but I think there's quite a bit of aero technology gone into some of these other boats and, and I, I feel maybe they're lacking a little bit in that area. So it'll be interesting to see what they come out with their second boat, how that looks, you know. And so I can imagine all four teams coming out with a quite a different boat to what they've got now. Yeah. Just from learning the learnings from this boat, their first boats and um their all their little uh, testing they've been doing with the smaller boats and
0: so based on what we know or what we're guessing or what we've heard now, who would be in the match with Team New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really
2: good mates with Ben actually. Um, when ben, I didn't ben ask. You, I didn't ask ben who ben. your mates were.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm going to write. I'll write down who I think, and I'll hold it up after you've answered. I think
2: it's going to be America at this stage.
0: Obviously, um, I, I held up GBR then. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're
1: both good mates of that. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, but I, I, you know, Ben's Ben's a smart man, and he's got a lot of smart people around him. So I think you know their second boat, and he's learnt a lot from Bermuda, I imagine. And one thing that really sticks in my mind. When I joined the team with America's captain, I because I was Dean and I were part of Team New Zealand back in '94, and we could have gone to San Diego, but we chose to um, do our Olympic campaigns. And you know, one of the biggest things there, Russell and those guys were saying there is they just they just want a boat with no drama, no bowsprit, no legal thing, just a boat that is equal the others that can they can sail and sail better than the others around the track and it's gonna get them around the track. That's all they wanted. Then they came up with a weapon. Yeah, yeah. Well (laughs) Doug Peterson, well done. Yeah. And then then it was even better. But, you know, that's that was Russell's mentality And, and at the end of the day, and I think I appreciate those sorts of things. You know, at the end of the day I just want a boat that is as fast as the others in all conditions, and then we can put the boat in the right place, hopefully, and sail the boat as fast as the others and as skillfully as the others, and you know, the best man will
1: win. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, the American Cup <clears throat> is, is littered with campaigns where there's been a not very good first boat, and then they've gone a bit radical on the second, and it's caused mayhem for you know, for, for many a cup team. Are we going to see? Are we going to see radical differences with the second boat, or are we seeing incremental tweaks? You know, I know yeah. each team is different, but what do you guys think for this one? For this cup, it's a big learning curve because this but, is the first thing uh, this boat has been
0: done. I think Pepsi. It's funny you use the expression when the when the when the boat goes afloat and the boat is in the water. The problem is now with the cup. The last thing you want is the boat in the water. Essentially, you want a boat that will fly or foil obviously all around the course without any touchdowns and allow you to execute the manoeuvres with, with uh, minimal downturn in speed. So uh, I think from what I've seen of the Brits with their, uh, modifications after they stuff the bow in in Cagliari, um, I, I think their second boat will be a, a radical departure. Is that, is that a dangerous thing in America's cup terms, uh, looking at the history or is it just proven by science? But I think this new class is so new and insatiable yes, that, yeah. y- y- you know, they're, they're learning. Uh, they're there's very no inc- history. No, there's yeah. no history. And they're smart people. And they've got, you know, boffins and computer power that we can only dream about, uh, running numbers all night, every night. And I think that, um, you know, these designers, they will be running numbers, crunching numbers, you know, uh, floating harebrained schemes, Looking at data, um, they are so far ahead of previous design teams that um, all of them will be uh, designing what they think is the best boat at the time.
1: Yeah.
0: But I think well, there's so much uh, also on the double-skinned mainsail, which you know Terry and Vasco have yeah. alluded to, that's difficult. Um, the fact that the rigs are one design, the foil arms are one design. Um, it, it's, it's a really complex puzzle.
1: And as an outsider, it's the joy of the America's Cup. Because um, all the questions, you know, you just can't wait for them to get racing. And listening to Terry Hutchinson, the biggest issue, it seems, is there's just been so little racing. First time they're going to be racing is pretty much, yeah. you know. Um, well, that's a serious thing. They're, they're racing so. the clock
0: lately. Yep. And, but do yeah, do yeah. you think looking as a, just as a tactician, perhaps, when you look at, you know, you, you, you will know the, the areas that they're going to race in whatever it is, the three or four courses. And obviously those courses will have boundaries. So you talk about having a boat that's equal. Essentially you want a boat that's faster because the first boat to the boundary is probably going to win yeah. the race.
2: Like you say, you've, you've got to have the boat that can foil around the whole race course at yeah. the end of the day. If you, you know, and Bermuda, I think team New Zealand were probably the leaders in that and, and, and the least amount of touchdowns. And so, I think again, if you can fall the whole way around the race course, you're going to stand a good chance to win the race. And you, um, you know, and, and it's because these boats are, are flying, it's going to come down to the foil package again. And, and the foil and aero package is my, my thinking. And so once you're foiling in a way, you just have to expect that everyone is going to stay on the foils and go around the race course. And that's, yeah. that's the level that they'll be expecting as well, you know.
0: Essentially, it will be like it is in the, in the smaller foiling classes that, that the better get, you get at sailing the boat, the guy who can run the smallest foils will win.
2: Yeah, if, if you have the smallest foils, and pretty basically, if you have the smallest foils and you can still foil tack and um, do all the manoeuvres without a problem, then uh, I think you'll do pretty well. You know, there's going to be obviously a point, a wind range. I don't know what it will be. You know, maybe it's ten knots. That um the ten knots and under, there might be a bigger foil package. But then, you know, you you run the like Team New Zealand had a bigger foil package, in Bermuda, and you know they made that work, and in the lighter airs, and and they reap the rewards from it. So,
1: yeah. Will you be in? Um, will you be in New Zealand for the Cup? Or will you be working abroad by that stage? Hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take any job I can get. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I
2: uh, yeah, I'll be in New Zealand for sure. And and I'll, I'll, um, yeah,
0: I'd be keen to go up and take a look at the. Look you might at have the to the get place. him involved on our on our pod that you're arranging in Auckland stretch. That's a good idea. Our man on the ground.
1: How's that coming along? Yeah, well, we've just been signed up by all the biggest TV and radio stations. But, um, have we? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, oh, great. Hold on. You just got well to promise not to be wearing your dressing gown in any of the interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Hamish. Thank you. Nice <laughs> Thanks, Thanks man. Cheers, Peps. See you nice soon, mate. See ya.
2: Yeah. 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 Thanks.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the pod. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Stretch and Stir Fry, signing off. See you soon.